All right, sorry for the delay, uh, little technical difficulties, been uh, a little bit since I've done this, but coming to you live from the Boston Quarantine Zone, it's the Hand Plus Podcast, brought to you by Movie Change Up. As always, I'm your host, Joe Fricky, with my co-host, Tristan Mayer, where each week we break down uh, this week in streaming. It's been a little bit since we had a show, I think our last show was technically the... Uh, before Christmas, and now we're after New Year's. We're a little bit into January. Uh, we were supposed to do a show last week, but I was a little bit sick and still recovering from my traveling and everything. So I'm like, you know what? Let's delay it a week, come back. Uh, we're going to be breaking down basically two, three, four weeks in streaming, basically, as well as talking about everything we're hyped about coming out in 2023. It's going to be a jam-packed show. We're going to try to move through it as quickly as possible. Uh, Tristan. How has been your last month in streaming? How have you enjoyed it? How have you liked it? Yeah, I was here a couple of weeks off because of the holidays, and uh, it was definitely good because it would have been hard to fit all of that in. You know, I was trying to, between watching stuff and going to Christmas parties and going to New Year's parties, it would have been a hard time to also have the whole podcast, but I'm excited to be back this year. We're going to talk about a lot of the new stuff coming up this year, stuff we're looking forward to in the next year, so it'll be a fun start to the year to get ourselves rolling on the hype train. But as for my last couple of weeks, I definitely watched some stuff and a couple of new things that just came out the last couple of weeks we've been to talk about you know we haven't gotten a chance to talk about bad batch yet or last of us so it'll be fun to talk about those but i'm mostly excited to look to the future here joe i'm excited to see what you're hyped for next year what i'm hyped for next year and come back to this episode in like a year and see okay what sucked you know <laughs> what didn't even come out so it'll be a fun conversation for sure all right let's kick off uh this show with our kind of mvp of last year what we considered the best streaming service of the year hbo max it's the A in the hand plus. And speaking of sucking, let's talk about a show that <laughs> sucks ass, and that's Velma. Uh, it's, if you didn't watch this show, if you don't know what it is, it's a HBO Max original, and it's Scooby-Doo from Velma's perspective. But I think part of the problem is the show of that show is it's so far removed from what Scooby-Doo is. Okay, it's from Velma's perspective. Okay, it's R-rated. Uh, so that takes it a little bit further from the origin. They changed up every single character to the point that if they didn't resemble their counterpart uh, from the original Scooby-Doo franchise, you wouldn't know who any of these characters were supposed to be. There is no Scooby-Doo. There's no talking dog. There's no dog, period. Um, and the show feels like it's making fun of itself, but in a way that's not fun. It's very meta and self-referential, but in a way that almost just feels like it's making fun of its audience. Almost like it, I repeatedly felt like they were looking directly at me and saying, why are you watching this show? Um, I understand you want to do a dark, more realistic take on Scooby-Doo. I think there's room for that, especially in a Riverdale, uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina type world. I think that almost would be, if they were to make a third show, kind of to have a trilogy of shows in that universe, I think Scooby-Doo almost would have been perfect. You could have done like a more dark, scary, realistic version where Shaggy has a dog and the named Scooby-Doo and the dog just doesn't talk. Maybe you have like a fun scene in like the season one finale where Shaggy takes a bunch of edibles or something and gets high and he sees Scooby talk with like the iconic Scooby-Doo voice. But to me, it's just not good. I've not heard a single positive thing about this show. Uh, Tristan, I know you're a massive Scooby-Doo fan. What are your thoughts on Velma? Yeah, I love Scooby-Doo. Honestly, I like Mindy Kaling, too. I was curious to see how her mix of humor would come to Scooby-Doo. I thought it was a good combination on paper, you know? And I think one thing I did like about this show is that I think the cast is pretty good. I think Mindy Kaling gives a strong performance as Velma. I think all of the voice acting is pretty good, and they fit the characters 
pretty solidly, you know, and I, I wish that this could have been a, a better script. I think that is ultimately what the problem is here. You mentioned that it's so meta and it's like right from the first scene, they're too meta, you know, it's like every single joke is like about how they're so much better than all the other cartoons because they're like smarter and more progressive and more cool. And all I could think watching this was if you have to tell me you're cool constantly, you're probably not that cool, you know, and this felt like a show that was constantly trying to prove itself that it was a cool adult edgy version of Scooby-Doo and not proving itself as like a good TV show, you know, and they should have just started off, gave us a good compelling stuff, a good compelling mystery and left a lot of that meta stuff, like one or two jokes, you know, yeah. but it felt like there was some compelling mystery here. There's some compelling uh, like personal drama with Thelma. She has some sort of traumatic stress about her mother leaving. She's trying to create that into like a mystery, you know, because she's used to solving everything as a mystery and she's not necessarily able to accept the fact that someone might just leaves and someone might just make a choice that doesn't seem to have any logical explanation to her you know so i think that might be something that'd be fun to follow through the rest of the series but unfortunately i think the humor is just not very funny <laughs> and that's going to make it hard to sit through the rest of the show i'm going to get a couple more episodes because i didn't hate it hate it i thought there was some jokes that worked and i'm curious to see how they play this out like as they go along and the game comes together and we start to see more of like an actual scooby-doo style story what does that look like in this universe so i'm going to give it a shot but I'm not very into this, and I think the humor is the biggest thing that's turning it off, which is hard in a comedy. <laughs> you know, you yeah. want that to be funny. So once they get used to the show and they kind of find the, the flow of it, it might pick up a little bit better. So I'll tell you how it goes, Joe, because it sounds like you're not going to be watching much more of the show. Yeah, I'm definitely tapped out on this show. There, to me, there's so much television to watch. I'm not going to be watching a show I don't like just for the sake of reviewing it for this show because it's always just going to be a negative review. And to me, that's kind of pointless. I'm here to... I've been basically obviously the point of the show is we watch as much as we can to tell people what they should watch and what they should avoid and right now I'm saying if you have no interest in the show don't watch it so I don't need to watch episodes two three four and five to continuously tell you not to watch it maybe maybe hey the following episodes are amazing and that Jay just had a bad pilot but at that point maybe drop the first three episodes or something at one time uh, but yeah this definitely feels like someone watched uh harley quinn on hbo max which is a far superior show and was like oh we should make a different type of version of that that's super popular and successful what's another female character we can do to do like a similar thing with and i just feel like this fell flat on its face yeah i'm not opposed to different takes on classic characters there's actually been a mature like adult take on scooby-doo in a comic book line that i was kind of into back when i was in college it was like a post-apocalyptic scooby-doo so you know if you want to check out some adult oriented scooby-doo mysteries that are better than this check out that old comic book that's probably around mm -hmm. somewhere on amazon pick up the whole printed series probably yeah and that's my thing if you want to do a more adult animated style scooby-doo i think there is room for it and it's possible to do i just don't think they executed it well yeah i'll let you know if it improves because i'm i'm not opposed to like a bad couple of pilot and then it kind of gets better as it goes along i'll tell you if it gets any better but i'm not quite uh, optimistic for that all right, and I know there's a show you watched on HBO Max that's garnering a lot of hype, also based on a franchise, but instead of an animated kids cartoon, it's based on a video game, and that is the Pedro Pascal starring uh, vehicle of The Last of Us. Yeah, I was really excited for this. I'm a huge fan of the video game The Last of Us. It was one of those kind of watershed moments in gaming where it was like suddenly you're taking narratives a bit more seriously in games. You're like, actually being emotionally impacted by the characters and it was also one of those first games that was like so hyper realistic in the graphics that I f it felt like a big turning point you know for gaming and i'm not quite sure if this is going to feel like a turning point 
for TV because we've gotten stuff like this before. You know, we've gotten The Walking Dead. We've gotten Chernobyl from the same director, you know, really good miniseries out there. And I'm hoping that this can stand up and be something that holds its own ground on a really high level. Like Prestige TV is great right now. You know, it's not necessarily like gaming was back in the day when this came out. You know, they have a lot of competition narratively around them. But first episode, I really, really liked it. I thought it was a great start, a really promising start. It doesn't necessarily blow me away. But uh, if you're a fan of the game, there's no reason you're not going to like this first episode. It's it's a lot of the sequences we know from the game expanded upon or done straight directly shot for shot at points. You know, it. I think it has a great mix so far of taking the sequences that people know and adapting them, but also not being afraid to change stuff, not being afraid to add new scenes, not being afraid to expand on that five minute opening sequence that we all know from the game into like, you know, a 35 minute prologue to the whole series. I think it does a lot of really interesting stuff like that. So I'm definitely sold on the show. I know they're going to be covering the whole entire game in this first season. So they're going to have like a beginning, middle and an end story to this. So if you're worried about them dragging it out, Walking Dead style, where you're like eight seasons in and you're like, where are we going with this? You know, this is not going to be one of those shows. They talked about how they have a one season plan for this, maybe a one or two season plan for Last of Us Part Two. And then that's going to be it for them. And that, unless there's Last of Us Part Three somewhere on the line. But yeah, they've been talking like we have a plan for this. We're not going to drag it out. And I think that is definitely helping so far. The pacing is really great. You know, you're not feeling like they're dragging their feet. They get you moving from the first couple of minutes, first couple of scenes. And then by the end of the first episode, you feel like you've made a lot of progress on the characters. You know, if you don't know the premise of this, it follows a man named Joel, who uh, his experience is kind of like a trauma. Uh, back on the day one of an outbreak of a zombie apocalypse and then we flash forward like 20 years and now he's kind of lived in this new world he's isolated he's kind of cold you know he's one of those cold kind of killers who will sell you out just to make a buck who will sell guns and drugs and not really care who's getting hurt by it because he's just trying to get by but one day he's told to smuggle this girl ellie out of the quarantine zone and across the country and you kind of follow the bonding of joel and ellie across uh across the nation as both of these kind of cold-hearted characters everybody at a distance sort of learn to open up their hearts a little bit across the journey and then you get to see kind of ups and downs of that relationship as it goes so if that's something you really like you know if you're a fan of the mandalorian i feel like the mandalorian took a couple of notes in the last of us to be honest with the setup you know it's pedro Pascal showing up rescuing a kid and taking them on a journey so if you're a fan of mandalorian you want to see that premise in a much darker more you know realized way i definitely recommend the last of us even if you're not a fan of the game i think you can check out this first episode and Get a sense of the world and the characters and see if it's for you. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the rest of this season plays out. And I would love to get your thoughts on it, Joe, once you eventually get a chance to watch the first episode. Because I think you'd be into it. Even though you're not into the game, I think you would you would still like the show. Yeah, I definitely want to check it out. The thing that intrigues me the most is they kind of have a set plan, set end date. I think that's what made Breaking Bad so good is they kind of like, we're going to do five seasons and call it a day. We're going to wrap it up. I think Walking Dead could have been on that Breaking Bad Game of Thrones level if they had a plan from the beginning of we're going to do like three seasons or five seasons but at the end it just got so tired and so drawn out and so much the same thing over and over and over again that I don't even know if anyone would put it on their top 100 shows of all time um, but yeah I'm definitely excited to check it out uh, is there anything else you watched on HBO Max uh, since our last those show? Those are the big two that I watched uh, those are definitely the biggest drops. I have a lot that I'm looking forward to this coming year on right. HBO Max, so it should be give a me, good year, though. All right, give me a couple you're looking forward to this year. The biggest that I'm excited for right now is the new version of True Detective. Uh, they're kind of reviving True Detective after three seasons. The uh, second season was a bit of a, a miss, but I thought season one and season three were both pretty big hits. Uh, 
Jodie Foster is the lead this time. So they had like Matthew McConaughey was able to give like a great kind of career reviving performance yeah. in the yeah. first season of True Detective. I wonder if Jodie Foster could do that. Yeah, a lot of people think that Matthew McConaughey really won- didn't really win his Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club, but more won his Oscar for True Detective, which was a show. Yeah, the whole McConaissance, you know, launched yeah. at that True Detective, you know? I still am a believer that the McConaissance launched at Lincoln Lawyer, but the peak of it was definitely (laughs) the true detective Dallas Buyers Club era. Yep. This will be interesting, though, because the previous seasons have been led by uh, Nick Pizzolatto, who was kind of a showrunner of the first three seasons. It was kind of like his baby, and this time he stepped away from the show. Uh, Is Issa Lopez is someone who is, I'm not familiar necessarily with a lot of her work, but she writes and directs all eight episodes of this season of True Detective, so I'm curious to see how it feels you know i like the fact that they're giving these shows to like individual storytellers and letting them tell their singular story i'm really curious how jody foster will be in the lead and it's set at this kind of remote alaskan research facility where all of the scientists and the crew have mysteriously vanished without a trace you know so i wonder if they're going to deal with like previous seasons of the show have dealt with like the line between the, the supernatural and the grounded reality and i wonder if this will deal with that too you know are we going to have some kind of tease of a horror explanation you know it's very much like a of a thing style setup you know so are we gonna get the tease of like oh maybe these people vanished or got you know abducted or something like that and then jody foster is gonna come in and try and be like the realist you know who says oh maybe there's a, an actual explanation to this uh, i'm really curious to see how this plays out especially with the new showrunner but yeah with jody foster at the front i think it's gonna be a definitely an acting showcase if nothing else yeah uh, for sure. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I remember I watched the first season of True Detective, and that's where I stopped, mainly because everyone was like, everything after that uh, is not that great. I'm even struggling to find this on IMDb. I know it's coming out. I've heard about it, but it is just not on IMDb at all, which I think is strange. Yeah, they uh, had a little tiny couple of seconds of it at the teaser they showed of for the year, like the HBO upcoming this year thing they showed before Last of Us. There were like a couple of frames of Jodie Foster at the end, but yeah, Issa Lopez is the the director here. I just looked up her work. She did uh, Tigers Not Afraid. I enjoyed Tigers Not Afraid back in 2017. So if you want to see a nice, cool indie kind of sci-fi from her, uh, check that one out. And I, I'm seeing True Detective 4 on IMDb, but it's not quite filled in yet. So we'll, we'll see. Hopefully they can fill that information in. All right. Anything else you're looking to uh, looking forward to on HBO Max this year? I'm looking forward to see what happens to Peacemaker. I'm, I'm thinking they're going to get that out this year, but I'm not quite sure. And it's especially coming out like an interesting time where DC's like in this reboot kind of era, you know, and yeah. is Peacemaker going to carry through? Is the Suicide Squad going to carry through? I think we're going to get a few of those answers within the next couple of days, to be honest with you. So keep your attention on James Gunn's Twitter feed this week. But uh, we're also probably going to get some of that in Peacemaker season two. You know, I, I imagine if he's going to carry over these characters, we're going to get the first look at James Gunn's DC Universe in Peacemaker Season 2. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. Yep. Same. All right. Anything else? Uh, they mentioned in the trailer uh, this year that there's going to be a new season of Our Flag Means Death on HBO. Uh, that was right. a really popular show back last year. I didn't get a chance to watch the first season yet. Uh, if you don't know, it's Taika Waititi. Uh, he's an actor and also, I believe, a writer on the show, too. It's like his kind of style of humor, but it follows pirates back in like the heyday of pirates you know and there's like blackbeard and all the iconic pirates and i think it'll be fun to check it out and see how Tekka's like weird sense of humor plays with pirates you know you played it pretty well with vampires what we do in the shadows so i'm looking forward to checking this out i'm definitely going to watch it before the second season comes out all right yeah uh one show i'm definitely looking forward to this year on hbo max is a show co-created by pop star the weekend 
uh, starring Lily Rose Depp called The Idol. And Lily Rose Depp, uh, Johnny Depp's daughter, uh, who's kind of had a slowly growing career. I think her performances can be kind of hit or miss. But she's playing this pop star who something happens and she kind of fades away and goes into obscurity. And it's kind of her staging her come back to be back on top again and be the number one pop star again and i think especially with the weekend as a co-creator and helping create the show i think we could if if the show itself sucks i think we could get a great soundtrack or some great music coming out of this show yeah i definitely am looking forward to that yeah i'm curious to see how our performance goes you know because like i said she can be hit or miss but i could see her being like a breakout star if she really starts to hit on a couple of things you know i could see that being a pretty big hit for her all right. Anything else you're checking out on Amazon or not Amazon Prime, HBO Max? I have one last thing. I'm looking up the cast and crew here because uh, we have The Sympathizer coming to HBO Max this year. We don't know a ton about it. It's based off of a book. And what made me curious about it is that it's produced and directed by Park Chan-wook, a very acclaimed director. If you've seen uh, The Handmaiden, you've seen decision to leave this year was a hugely acclaimed movie from, movie from him so you know he's he's got a big pedigree so i'm curious to see how he adapts this crime thriller novel uh robert downey jr plays multiple roles in this it'll be cool to see him get back to kind of like this kind of level of performance you know we've seen him in the mcu we've seen him pop up like here and there and other stuff but i can't wait to see what he does here playing playing a villain you know and playing multiple villains on top of that i think it'll be a great a great uh miniseries i'm definitely looking forward to that this year all right Ready to move over to uh, Amazon Prime? I'm ready. All right. What did you check out on Amazon Prime? Because I'm going to be honest, I Amazon Prime is a struggle for me most weeks. <laughs> it's it's tough to find anything on there that I care about. Sure, when The Boys comes back or when Invincible comes back, I'll be over there watching those shows. But as far as you, uh, is there anything you watched on Amazon Prime? Or is there anything you're even looking forward to on Amazon Prime? There is some stuff I'm looking forward to on Amazon Prime. Uh that's definitely the thing is Amazon Prime has like their handful of shows, you know, that, I, that I'll watch, but uh, they're not out yet. You know, yeah. uh, the only thing I watched on Prime this month was SpongeBob SquarePants. So, right. <laughs> you know, go check out SpongeBob, you know, great show. All right. Something tells me MVP of the week will not be coming from Amazon Prime. So I say we just <laughs> speed ran through Amazon Prime. You know, I'm I got sure... a couple of things to ch- All mention. Right, yeah, you know, you yeah, got yeah, the no. boys season four coming yeah. out this, this year. You got Invincible season two coming out this year. Uh, you've also got the boys, a spinoff of the boys coming out. There's not a ton of talk about that going on right now, but they have a, a spinoff coming out this year called Gen V. I think it follows like a college, like a superhero college that uh, that Vought starts, I believe is how it goes. But yeah, we'll see how that plays out because obviously the boys is adapted from this comic book and this will be their first time being like wholly original. You know, this is not based off of anything from the comics. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, the, the usual staples of Amazon Prime, I think it'll be curious because Amazon... Mostly for me, they do a good job of picking up like festival movies and that kind of thing. So once we get to Sundance in a couple of weeks and a couple of those festivals, we'll probably get a better picture of like what Amazon's year is going to look like. But I think, yeah, those are pretty much, I mean, the biggest hits are the biggest hits. They have a movie coming out that I think looks pretty good called Shotgun Wedding. Looks kind of fun. Oh, you know? yeah, I've seen yeah, Jennifer for that. Lopez. Looks fun. Yeah, kind of like a Yeah, Jennifer Lopez and Josh Dumal are, uh, you know, typical rom com actors. They're getting married at this fancy resort wedding. And then in the middle of the wedding, terrorists attack the wedding and uh get these uh, the uh jennifer lopez jennifer coolidge she's in it too they got to pick up guns and fight these terrorists i think it'll be a really fun mix of like the rom-com and action genres it probably won't be in you know my top five of the year by the end of the year but it'll be a fun one to kick off the year yeah definitely 
All right. So I'm ready to hop over to Netflix if you are. Oh, the one thing I, I want to say, what, what Amazon Prime is great at is getting stuff into my house in two days when I order it. Uh, outside <laughs> of that, I don't care about Amazon Prime. If they if they were just a video service, I would not have it. I'm going to be honest with you. I would just wait until probably the boys in Invincible Drop get it for that month and watch it and then drop it the next month. It's it's not worth the video service in my opinion. But there are and, some top shows on there. Fan. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a Wings of Power fan, I do not expect them to come out this year. So no. I would maybe not renew your yearly membership until <clears> next year. If all you're looking for is Wings of Power, it's not going to make it this year. No. All right, I'm ready to move over to Netflix, and I'll kick it off with something, Definitely. a documentary I watch that I'm ready to talk about. For sure. And that is The Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker. I don't know if you checked this out. Uh, there was a viral video back in 2013 about this uh, hitchhiker named Kai uh, who – He's hitchhiking. The guy he was riding with was telling him all these crazy messed up things. And then he's like, oh, watch this. And the driver that he was hitchhiking with swerved and intentionally hit, a, I believe it was a construction worker. And then while he, and then he got out of the car and started like punching the construction worker. And then a woman came over and he started punching the woman. And Kai, the guy who was hitchhiking, came out and he's like, you don't like treat people like this. And just took his hat, hatchet out. And he was describing the interaction in a news clip and the news clip is what went viral he's like i took him and i took my hatchet out and i was like smash 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 and uh and it was just kind of this dark violent but it, he, was, he was like so charismatic and endearing it went viral <laughs> and uh you know he went on jimmy kimmel and the people in the documentary were like the producer one of the big time producers of the kardashians who wanted to give him his own reality show and they were the one kind of watching over him uh, while he was going to Jimmy Kimmel. But I feel like, in my opinion, he I mean, he definitely has some undiagnosed mental disorders. He just, like, they picked him up and he just peed on the sidewalk of the Hollywood Walk of Fame. and Or he was, like, back behind Jimmy Kimmel Studios and peed on Jimmy Kimmel's sign. And just completely <laughs> off, the wa- off the wall, wild, crazy, got kicked out of the hotel he was staying at. Uh, while the day the night before the Jimmy Kimmel interview and they showed clips of the Jimmy Kimmel interview and then a couple weeks later uh he pops up on the news again he's wanted for murder of somebody else this old man uh lawyer who had allowed him to stay with him and he was like stabbed in the head or like violently murdered basically and Mm -hmm. the whole documentary is like this guy went from viral sensation and three weeks later he's wanted for murder of somebody else and it it's just wild the story and then you know afterwards and then at the end spoiler alert uh it's revealed he is now serving 57 years in prison for uh, murder and then but something about it just fell off it's like okay this guy's like in his 70s and he has what someone who very early on in your interaction with him could tell this guy is not all there he's a little off like i feel like a 75 year old man especially someone who's a lawyer smart would be like this is probably not an individual that you don't know that you don't want in your house and just that concept to me fell off so i did some research looked into it and i definitely feel like kai the hitchhiker uh was there was this very much a sense of disservice like 
because part of what they said in what trying to make him look crazy is while they were searching for him and at, because he was a hitchhiker they couldn't find him and he would just pop up here and there on facebook and he'd post on facebook and if you got kids watching, you may want to mute the mic or have them go into a different room. But he had posted on Facebook, hey, while they were looking for him for this murder, what would you do if you woke up uh, in a stranger's bed with your mind feeling groggy, having a metallic taste in your mouth, and uh, having uh, someone's semen dripping out of your mouth? And they kind of painted it in the documentary as like, oh, he's just trying to like make up an excuse for why he killed this guy. But then after I did some research, I found out, so the chief of police of where the incident took place is the lawyer's brother. Um, mm. Like three different lawyers and or three different prosecution attorneys and three different judges who tried to work on the case were forced to recuse themselves because they had a close personal relationship with either the lawyer who was killed or uh, one of his sons. Um, Kai, the you know, person who did it, uh, asked for a rape kit and was denied one. Um, mm. uh, while the incident was an active crime scene, someone had run the dishwasher cleaning all of the cups in the house, uh, which is wow. a little strange. And also the older guy who was killed had a 20, 20 year old, uh, got like a guy in his early twenties living with him for an extended period of time. And I just feel like, it's not as cut and dry as the documentary made it seem, and it seems a little fishy, all of the evidence piled together, and I'm starting to believe that his Facebook post wasn't exactly him trying to make up a reason for why he killed the guy, and is probably more closer to the truth. So, all this being said, I watched it. If you want to watch it, if that sounds interesting to you, sure, go check it out, but I also feel like, as a documentary, a documentary should tell the whole story. And I feel like it was very biased and very one-sided and not exactly an accurate representation of uh, what happened. Yeah, it sounds to me like an interesting premise that the documentary doesn't actually explore to its full extent. You know, like it sounds like a lot of the more interesting stuff was in your own research. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm curious about it. I like the idea of like the people we make viral yeah. uh, are kind of just like these these random people and they could be just as messed up as anybody else and how exploitative that viral sensation can actually be you know like they're taking this person and milking him for all he's worth for these couple of weeks is since that he's relevant and then as soon as he becomes like any level of a threat to them and their image is, is gone you know mm -hmm. you see it a lot from these viral people who are huge for a second and then they're, they're just gone their lives end up being kind of ruined by that virality you know yeah and that was something that like if the documentary focused on that and ended before the murder stuff happened i think it would have been a great interesting documentary because when it touched on that it was great but when it touched on the murder stuff, just the entire time, I felt like something was off, like something was missing. And uh, that was my main problem with it, because I'm like, oh, yeah, there was a lot missing here. Uh, you could have done a kind of non-biased documentary, one that told the whole story, and I think it could have been great. But when I can feel that you're not telling me something, and then when I look it up and you're not telling me the most interesting thing you could have told me, uh, then it's, like, hard to care about it and recommend it to somebody. For sure. All right. And something I know we both watched... Uh, so I'm going to preface this by saying I didn't finish it because I, and I'll talk about why, and that is the new show on Netflix, Kaleidoscope, uh, where if you don't know what it is, it's a mini-series starring Giancarlo Esposito, people may know as Gus Fring from Breaking Bad, he's also kind of the main villain in The Mandalorian, and he's had a long career, he's been in things since, like, the late 80s almost, and the premise is, is that there's a heist, 
and it's called Kaleidoscope because every episode is a different color, and it was kind of written and directed and made in a way that you can watch it in any ep any order you want to. Uh, I know some people do the rainbow order, red, orange, yellow, blue, green, indigo, violet, and then white. Kind of white. The actual heist itself is um, the white episode, and that's kind of always recommended to watch last. But there's people, various websites and various people have watched it and have the recommended viewing order. I decided to go crazy, and I did it in alphabetical order by color with white being last. I know you watched it in non-alphabetical order. And to me, when I stopped watching it, it just felt like a big gimmick. They say you can watch it in any order you want, but there were moments where I was just lost and confused, and I felt like it was because I was watching it non-linearly. I think it's one of those things where if they had just released it and it was in a linear order, I think it could have actually been like good and well-made and great, but it just felt too gimmicky. It reminded me of the Netflix Bandersnatch, which like could, there was a great story in there somewhere, but too much just like a gimmick that it, the gimmick distracted it from me. And, in the end took away from it and I found myself not caring by the end and I think that's kind of the biggest death blow to any movie or show when I just don't care what happens next but Tristan you yeah, watched I, it in reverse order from me so maybe you got a different experience what what's what's your thought process yeah I took your order and just, just literally reversed it and watched it in the the backward order of how you watch it and I did make it through I watched the whole season I thought it was an interesting experiment and the narrative itself is just kind of a generic heist narrative. You know, like even if you watch it linearly, it's just, oh, you know, this guy, he gets out of prison. He's like a heist expert, you know, and he wants to get out of prison and have his one big heist. So he grabs up his whole team and they got go do the heist. And of course, it doesn't necessarily go exactly to plan. And then you have a couple of episodes of the aftermath. So you've seen that a hundred times, you know, it's Reservoir Dogs. It's all kinds of different heist movies. So I think the simplicity of that helps a little bit because you can kind of jump around and then be able to fill in where you are in that timeline. You know, am I after the heist? Am I before the heist? Am I in like the, the planning montage right now? So that was kind of fun to jump around the timeline a bit. I enjoyed the experiment of that, you know, because it was kind of cool to be able to see, oh, where are we going to go next? You know, and what's going to be the character this time? And that wore thin though, you know, by two or three episodes, four episodes, mm -hmm. I was not that into like the gimmick of it. And I think there's a couple of ways that could have fixed this. I think one of them could have been shorter episodes, like, these are like full length, 45, 50 minute episodes. And I think like this could have worked a lot better if they were like 20 minute episodes, you know, so you're kind of getting that feel of jumping around a lot quicker than you would for these 45 minute feature length episodes. But I hope they don't give up on this because like Bandersnatch, I thought was an interesting idea that the, the gimmick of it didn't necessarily work perfectly in every possible situation, but I thought it was a fun concept that they never really went back to. And I was disappointed they didn't really experiment with, experiment with that. I hope they don't give up on this you know i hope they can see the ideas here and figure out a way to make it work a little bit better a little bit more exciting because i love the concept i just don't think it executed all that well and like you said even if you i think even if you watch it in order because even after i finished it i went back and rewatched a couple of episodes even in the chronological order to see if it would like improve my opinion at all but it did not it works okay it's a fun gimmick if you're into that gimmick i recommend it at least give it a couple of episodes to like experience that mm -hmm. gimmick <laughs> But they could have done the gimmick a lot better, you know, lean into the gimmick more, make it more part of the premise, more part of the episode itself. You know, maybe it's like a sci-fi show where you're jumping around the timeline a bit more. But otherwise, it felt a little bit distracting, a little bit just a way to trick you into watching kind of a mediocre heist show. Yeah, like a time travel show or like a movie or, or like a time travel show mm -hmm. or something like Tenet, like a show like from the world of Tenet would have been way more interesting and a thing like this. And I think part of the thing, I think 
my biggest recommendation to anyone who's going to watch this show, I think this is a show you have to go in and be like, oh, like on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning or just any day where you have the whole day to block out and watch this. It's the start. Like that morning, it'd be like, okay, we're going to watch this all the way through. And I think part of my problem was I started it, I think, like in an evening time with the idea of like, okay, I'm going to watch three or four episodes and then I'll start it. I'll start the rest and finish it tomorrow. And I did. And like I watched the first episode the next day and I just felt so lost and confused that I'm just like, I'm not even going to bother trying to finish watching this. And I just gave up on it. Yeah, I don't blame you for that at all. I, I just hope they learn the right lessons and don't just abandon this idea because Netflix has some interesting ideas of like interactive watching that I, I'd be curious to see how they explore if they ever explore them again. All right, is there anything uh, you checked out on Netflix you want to recommend or tell people to avoid? Uh, that was a big one, Kaleidoscope. I, I tried to like that one. You know, I really, I was looking forward to the idea, but it just did not execute for me. I started watching as well Alice in Borderlands. I have not gotten my chance to finish it yet. They just dropped the second season. So once I catch up, I'll give you guys more of, a, more of my thoughts on that. But it's an interesting premise. Like it's set in uh, Tokyo and uh, these, these young kids, like teenagers, are just kind of putzing around, you know, breaking the law, rebelling a little bit, and then all of a sudden they they walk out the door and Tokyo is completely empty. There's nobody there but them, and they get this mysterious text saying, oh, you got to come to this location and play a game, and they play these very extremely deadly games where if you make a mistake, you you die, you know, but if you win, you get the privilege of spending like three or four or five days in this world without having to play the game, you know? So if you if you win the game, you get like three days season pass, and but then... After three days, you got to come back and you got to play again to get more time into the game. So, cool premise. I'm curious to see how they like expand upon that into a, two seasons worth of, of story. <laughs> but so far, pretty good, and I'm liking the characters. So, if you're looking for something with a really big sci-fi premise, or you want to watch something, you know, in, in another language, get yourself some non-English uh, watching going on. I definitely recommend it. All right, uh, show I watched or checked out is The Circle, which I believe was season four. Uh, this season had like a singles dating aspect to it uh, where everyone on the show was either single or catfishing as someone who is single. If you haven't watched The Circle before, it's essentially like an entire virtual uh, competition reality show like Big Brother or Survivor or The Challenge or anything like that where everyone is in their own little apartment room uh, and they all have a screen, television screen, computer screen, and they all like voice voice to text basically uh communication with each other and they have like their own profiles and some of them are catfishing as other people whether it's someone they know or just kind of a generic profile uh it's a solid season it's not the best one uh if you haven't checked out the circle i definitely think start at season one because i think i still think season one and season two are probably the best two seasons uh but yeah if you're a circle fan and you didn't know the circle had come out with a new season there is a new season out right now i believe uh, it's not quite done yet. I haven't watched the re most recent batch of episodes, but I've watched the first two batches of episodes, and they're both uh, really good, really solid. Uh, Brett from Big Brother 20 is also on this season as, as well, if you're a Big Brother fan. Um, but yeah, that's all I really have to say of the things I've watched. Is there anything else you watched, or are you ready to move on to upcoming? That's, that's all I watched, okay. but I got a good amount of upcoming stuff. Yeah, I mainly got one upcoming thing that I'm excited for, and that's Black Mirror Season 6. I think if I had to rank best TV shows of all time, I think Black Mirror uh, is in my top five. Uh, it's just a really good anthology show. It's kind of like a Twilight Zone, modern-day Twilight Zone, that focuses on technology and how we interact with the technology and how we could interact with technology in the future. Um I'm excited, I, you know, Charlie Brooker, the guy behind it, 
at one point said he's not going to make any more episodes because he kind of feels like we've entered our own version of Black Mirror, but apparently something's gone on, something's changed, something happened, maybe he got inspiration for new episodes, or maybe he just always planned on making more episodes, but he just didn't want to be asked about it all the time, so he told everyone, oh, I'm not <laughs> making any more, but we're getting a season six, I'm happy, I'm excited, it probably only means four-ish episodes, but we'll see how it goes. What are you excited for coming to Netflix in 2023? Yeah, I can't wait for Black Mirror, I love the previous seasons, even Banner Snatch I had a good time with, you know, so... And I think all he says that we live in our own Black Mirror right now, and I kind of agree, but I think that's more of a reason to make the show. You know, its themes are more relevant than ever before. Our connection to technology and how dependent we are on that, you know, I, I can't wait to see where he goes with it in the future. But I'm looking forward to Zack Snyder's uh, collage with Netflix here. Rebel Moon, I believe, oh. will be out by the end of this year. Yeah. Uh, it's in the midst of production, if not post-production right now. It's Zack Snyder's big, epic-scale sci-fi. He's, mm -hmm. he, I believe it was like a pitch for Star Wars yeah. that Lucasfilm didn't really want to go for, so he reshaped it into his own, you know, big, massive uh, franchise. Yeah. And I think Netflix is open to Zack Snyder. They loved his work on uh, Army of the Dead, even though I thought it was just an all right sci-fi, uh, zombie sci-fi movie. And they were, they honestly like gave him a couple of shots to expand that universe too. So I think if this actually hits, I think it will be a huge hit for Netflix. And I honestly think Zack Snyder's kind of like big, massively epic scale of shooting. Like he's super like, will fit really well into a big sci-fi space opera kind of world. I think it'll be a great fit for him, even more than some of his previous work has been. I think the epicness of Zack Snyder's kind of like blunt visual language will work pretty well in, in this kind of setting. Yeah, I don't take like uh, Star Wars or Lucasfilm turning down his script as any kind of dig at his script or any, even if it's good, I don't think it should be a knock against Lucasfilm because I've read the outline and the outline basically reads like uh, the Star, you know, the space version of Seven Samurai, which Star Wars has already told that story in various... I mean, Rogue One is essentially Seven Samurai. They've There have been, like, three or four Clone Wars arcs that are Seven Samurai. There's been various comic arcs that are Seven Samurai. Like, we just don't need another Seven Samurai story in Star Wars. So I get why Lucasfilm turned it down. Uh, but with that being said, I am excited for it. I am looking forward to it. I think it can be really good. Yeah, I have a couple of uh, mentions here. I know uh, You is coming back for Season 4. I enjoyed that show. It's my one of my great like trashy pleasures of Netflix. Uh, it follows this guy Joe, who on the surface seems like the perfect boyfriend who cares about your needs and your interests and all of your your hobbies. But the reality is, he knows about your needs and your hobbies and your interests because he's stalking you. You know, and you follow this guy who's like an intensely dedicated stalker. You're in his head the entire time. You're hearing his voiceover. It's very unnerving and scary, but it has this like weird fun edge to it at the same time. Like it's this perfect mix of just enough humor where it's not quite taking itself that seriously but it's also has that threat constantly of like real violence coming at any moment you know i love the balance of that so it's into the fourth season they're totally changing up the settings like london or something now working as a professor so i can't wait to see how that plays out but yeah i'm curious to see how, how that season goes have you watched any of you at all joe i have not no it always weirds me out and makes my brain hurt when people in a show or a movie have my name so i know if someone in a show or movie <laughs> has my name i just actively avoid it so i've been actively avoiding you i will not watch it just because yeah, every time worry about that too much every time someone says like joe in a show or movie my head always like turns so i just know they're gonna be <laughs> saying it constantly because it's the main character's name and it's just weird and so i'm not gonna watch it sorry you <laughs> another show that is my perfect crash is bridgerton and netflix uh is coming for the third season of bridgerton i don't know if it's gonna make it out this year or not so i have it kind of at the the question mark on my list here but if it does i'll be 
deeply talking about that. That's, you know, it's a like a, a Victorian era romance. I would get like a Regency era romance where it's like, you know, lords and ladies and the queens and the dukes and all of that kind of stuff. And I get swept up on that, you know, the dresses and the, the visuals and the sweeping vistas and all of that pride and prejudice kind of stuff, you know? So I have a great time with these shows. Can I ask a question about Bridgerton to make... That's the show that's like very much... Um representative right or it's got like a lot of yeah it's yeah. very colorblind in its cast okay. and you also yeah. have like black people and indian people and all kinds of the races and genders and really high powerful roles you know they, they don't care about that kind of a stuff it's it's yeah. it's a fantasy yeah. in that angle yeah because i watched uh i was with my uh fiance and we were at her uh nana's uh living or adult living facility and she was watching it at the time and so I saw, like, four or five episodes. It was honestly pretty good, and I, like, looked into it, and kind of, I guess, the books it's based on weren't that way. Like, it weren't was very much like everyone, I guess, was supposed to be white. It was supposed to be, like, accurate at the time. But the showrunner, people behind it, I guess there was some um, lord back in that time who was a person of color, and they basically their mindset was, like, what if he was just, and it was that was, like, 100 years before this show takes place, like, what if he was just super successful and just super beloved and so it brought a lot more people of color to uh more prominent roles in kind of the english aristocratic society earlier than they yeah. were i'd be really curious to see what you thought of it joe if you watched a couple episodes of the first season and gave me your thoughts as someone who doesn't really fit the demographic of the audience here but uh i'd, I'd pitch it as gossip girl and like meets like downton abbey or something yeah. it's like yeah. a really odd combination of tones but i like it a lot yeah. All right. Anything else on Netflix you're excited for? I have one last thing I want to mention here, uh, and that's Rustin, a movie coming out on Netflix later in the year. It came, it did like a festival run last year, and it was starting for a second to get like Oscar buzz for the acting and that kind of stuff. But then Netflix decided to hold it back, and maybe it'll be their Oscar push for this year. Uh, so Rustin, it follows. Oop, I just deleted the. Rustin, uh, it's like a biopic drama that follows an activist. His name was. Uh, Rustin, obviously, Bernard Rustin. He was, worked alongside Martin Luther King Jr. and organizing a lot of his, the biggest marches on Washington, like in Selma and those kind of things. And, and he's been kind of erased from history because he was a gay man. And but people didn't necessarily want to associate like this movement with the gay rights movement. So they kind of like didn't really cover him in a lot of the history books and his, his very pivotal role in some of the biggest moments of the civil rights movement. So I'm really curious to see those moments brought to life. Coleman Domingo is playing uh, Rustin. He's had a huge a couple of years recently as an actor he was in like uh candy man he was in uh i think he was even in euphoria he was in zola he was in a couple of really really big movies last year so i think he's and he's he's uh potentially going to be one of the leading front runners for the leading oscar next year <laughs> i know we haven't, haven't even gotten to 2022's movies yet for the oscars but if you're already putting your predictions out for next year maybe check out rustin and coma domingo on your list all right uh, sounds interesting, and I think that wraps up our Netflix talk and moves us over to Disney+. Plus. And uh, I really only watch one thing on Disney+, Plus. I don't know about you, and that's The Bad Batch. We got three episodes out. I said before, after season one of The Bad Batch, I think season one of The Bad Batch was the best um, first season of any Star Wars animated show. And uh, season two picked up right where season one left off. Uh, I'm really into it, really liking it. Uh, I definitely, it's definitely on par with like the darkness and matureness of 
uh, season seven of the Clone Wars. It's kind of so mature in a way that it's really, I, w- I would almost say it's PG-13. Like, it is animated, but anyone, un- especially after this last episode, I wouldn't really recommend anyone under, like, 10 or 11 watch it unless you allow them to watch more darker, more mature. I don't even know. It's not even so much of them, like, being too young for it. It's like, oh, like, it's violent or anything. I just don't think they'll like it because it's animated, but it's not really aimed at kids. Like, there's really... Yeah, I think it's an interesting show because it has has that mix of, like, Omega is your main character, she's your kid POV, but there are definitely, like, adult-leaning moments. I would call it a PG-13 show. As long as your kid's, like, you know... 10, 11, 12, I think they'll be able to connect with some of this stuff. And even if they don't, like, you'll be sitting there next to them, like, and connecting to more of it, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's just been a really good, solid show so far. Yeah, I'm liking it a lot. I think Star Wars works really well in the animated world. I think it just adds to, like, this, I don't know, the elevated world of Star Wars a lot. It's able to get away with more stuff. And then the animated realm, you know, like, big walking crabs and things like that that might look a little bit, you know, dumb in the live-action side, but... Mm. I'm liking Bad Batch a lot. I'm only two episodes in, so I'm curious to see what uh, the big mature moments are in, in this next episode. But I'm liking it are so there... far. I really, really enjoy uh, this this take on Star Wars. I was going to ask you uh, some of your thoughts on the most recent episode, but if you haven't watched it, I will avoid. I don't want to spoil anything. You could probably tell maybe a character that appears if you looked at my name. But uh... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard a bit about it on Twitter and saw some screenshots and stuff, and I saw the trailer, you know? So I know, I know some characters are going to be popping up this season. I'm curious to see. Mm-hmm. The first season had some, like, Star Wars lore additions and a couple of little sprinkles there mm-hmm. about, like, maybe Plagueis, maybe cloning, maybe, maybe. I wonder mm-hmm. if season two kind of pays off some of the maybes mm-hmm. and gives a bit of a direction on what this is going to be adding to the lore. Because I think Dave Filoni loves that balance mm-hmm. of fun adventure of the week and then also sprinkling in some just crazy Star Wars lore here and there where you're like, whoa, that's dropping that in the animated show? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I can't remember if it was Kevin Kiner or his, or his brother, but who do the scoring for all of the Star Wars animated stuff. And he tweeted out uh, earlier today, oh, we're uh, basically like, oh, we're dropping that. Like, we're getting that. Like, that episode is coming out this early in the season. So apparently uh, some big things are popping uh, on Wednesday on The Bad Batch, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, is there anything else you watched uh, for Disney Plus before we go to upcoming I got myself through all of Willow. I really enjoyed oh, yeah, the first yeah. season of Willow. I thought it was a fun time, a solid adventure show. You know, it, it's it. I'm sure. Obviously, we were talked about how it doesn't play on the same level as like Game of Thrones or something like that. But when I was able to watch it as a binge, I thought it especially worked really well. So if you haven't watched it yet or you kind of didn't get much out of the first episode, I honestly think it's definitely worth going back and doing the binge through because it was a fun adventure. I really got into a lot of the characters, and we talked about how shows like Velma have representation in, in that kind of a really forced way where it feels like they're trying to point out the fact that they're representing, you know, groups and it makes you feel kind of otherwise from my own perspective, you know, as a gay person. But this movie is able to repre- have representation that doesn't feel like it's pointing it out constantly. You know, it's able to have a diverse cast of characters without having to feel like self-important about it. So I really liked it a lot and I hope it gets renewed. I'm not sure if it had gotten renewed or not yet, but I'll be looking forward to season two, especially if they can up the budget a little bit and give them a bit more of like the big scope that I would want out of a fantasy show. All right. And did this give you like, I guess the vibe, like basically I'm more trying to figure this out for Star Wars. Did it have the vibe of like, oh, I can definitely tell like it's on the volume or this definitely feels like a set or was there, did it feel a lot more like, I guess, would it feel closer to Andor where it's like you're locked in and you're not watching this being like, oh, they're on a set. 
I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I don't think it looked quite as good as Andor. I think you could see the volume at points. You could see the set at points, especially because, like, fantasy, I think, demands a bigger scope than Disney Plus can sometimes provide. So when they go for some of the big sweeping vistas, you can see when it is and isn't, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there are definitely holes, but I think it I think it looks better than some of the recent Star Wars stuff. It looked much better than Boba Fett. I thought it looked better than Obi-Wan. So okay. pretty, pretty good production yeah. style. Yeah, so it's making me more and more think that a lot of those production view problems were more covid than anything but we'll see uh moving forward so i got on my list I'm, i'll just go through my list and then uh we can add anything because i have quite a bit here so we can add anything you don't have you do. after i'm here well it's a lot easier for disney plus when it's franchise things that they announce a year in advance rather than netflix that's like oh here's a show that you have no idea about other than it stars uh matt smith or something like that so <laughs> Yeah, and Disney Plus has all the IPs, you know, and it's all yeah. the favorite, all your favorite stuff. So I can't wait to hear your list. All right, so I kind of just rolled, rolled, went through with everything Star Wars and Marvel coming out this year, but obviously Mandalorian premieres March first. We're getting our first official trailer tonight during halftime of Monday Night Football. So later tonight, we're getting the season three trailer of uh, Mandalorian. I'm looking forward to that. Everything I've heard about that is, uh, I think it's going to be fun. A lot more Mandalorians. And I'm curious to see how they're, if they're going to play it, like, hey, you needed to watch Book of Boba Fett, or if they're going to have kind of like a reintroduction of certain characters to kind of explain things that happen in Book of Boba Fett. Uh, Yeah, I will say, I think Mandalorian has some uphill battles for me to get through. Uh, I enjoyed season two, but it was a mixed bag, and I thought Book of Boba Fett really undermined the finale of season two emotionally, so I I feel like they got that with me back as a fan for season three. All right. Uh, we're also getting season two of Star Wars Visions. Uh, I'm very cu- curious to see. I wonder if uh, if that whole short with Studio Ghibli, uh, Ghibli with Baby Yoda is kind of all the Studio Ghibli we're going to get, or potentially maybe Studio Ghibli is a uh, one of the creators for Visions season two. Uh, hopping over to Marvel, uh, we're getting Secret Invasion sometime in summer of 2023. And I think it's kind of going to be the quote-unquote avengers to the mcu disney plus side all of the tv show characters i think are going to team up to fight uh the alien invasion alien invaders uh with that i'm looking forward to that one it feels like like the kind of merge of like the spy thriller side of the mcu like kind of colliding with that cosmic side for a little bit you know so i'm curious to see how big they go with it like the scroll invasion are we going to (laughs) get like Nick Fury's a scroll, you know, or, or something like that, or is it going to play it kind of light? Are we going to get any like big MCU level implications here, or is it just going to be purely on like the Disney Plus side? You know, I, I, I really want to see when they're giving us an event style series like this, how big do they really go? Okay, what well, can I ask a question with everything? Well, I don't know if there's more have developed from those rumors, but there were rumors about the dad in uh, Miss Marvel. I wonder if there's a chance that they. If they had time while they were filming, if everything came out, if they're like, oh, yeah, he's a Skrull. So that explains why he's never in anything beyond uh, season one of Miss Marvel. Yeah, we'll see. I think it would be interesting to see if they do any kind of, like, retconning of, oh, this guy was actually a Skrull, and that's why this happened or something like that. It'll be yeah. fun to see if they go for anything yeah. like that. Jeremy Renner's a Skrull. That's why he's not in this anymore. Because oh, he, he has one leg, probably. Um, Good luck to him. He sounds yeah. like it was a rough one, you know? Yeah. I uh, hope he pulls through. I mean, it sounds like he's going to live and be okay, but hopefully he can go back and live a normal life. Um, we also got Loki Season 2. 
uh, coming up. Oh, that's going to be great. Summer or fall of this year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Especially uh, after Ant-Man, we're going to get a better idea of Kang's like, yeah. big role, too, so we'll see. I think we get a Loki post credit scene in Ant-Man. Or like a, I think that's probably what they're going to go with. Yeah. And um, then you got to get Fantastic Four, but we'll see. Yeah. yeah. And then we also have Ironheart uh, coming out in fall of 2023. Oh, well. Yeah, she will go cool in Black Panther. Did I'm she? looking forward to seeing Chicago. You know, I'm a Chicagoan. So we'll see Chicago finally get our superhero. I thought the suit looked like crap. And that that <laughs> and the suit for, uh, I can't remember her, but one of the Dora Milaje I thought looked horrible too. Those were my two biggest gripes with uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever was those suits looked horrible. Uh, we're also... She looked like a Power Ranger, but I was into it. You know, I, I like Power Rangers. Yeah, We're also getting uh, Ahsoka dropping in 2023 sometime. Looking really forward curious to that. about that one. All of the rumors and leaks I've heard uh, for that show make me think it's going to be very Force-centric. Very much like Samurai, Force-inspired. So we'll yeah, see. I'm excited for that because I, I love the Force. and Star- That's kind of like why I watch Star Wars, yeah. like the mythical side of Star Wars. And we've been missing that for a while, so I mm-hmm. can't wait to get back to it. Yeah. We also get uh, Agatha, Covenant of Chaos. I really don't know anything about it other than, obviously, Catherine Hahn as uh, Agatha Harkness. And uh, I believe gonna... that has also been delayed to 2024. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> we'll come back to this in a year. Uh, X-Men 97 drops this year. Uh, it's the animated show. That continu- I'm looking forward to. Continuation of the X-Men animated series from uh, 1997. Uh, I'm curious how that's going to tie into the MCU. Uh, I'm, I wonder if it's going to be one of those things where, um, um, they do like, I don't may, I don't know if the original animated show covered the house of M storyline. I don't even know if that was in the comics at that point, but I wonder if they, if it ends, what if like, that's how it ends is, uh, is, what's her name? Uh, Scarlet Witch Scarlet says, Witch. The series finale is Scarlet Witch says no more mutants and it resets everything and takes everything back. And we open with kind of an early 1960s MCU. And that, and we realize the X-Men 97 universe is also the same as the MCU. And like her, but there was just a tiny amount of mutant left. And that's going to slowly seep its way back into the MCU. Yeah, I'm curious how this plays out. The multiverse, is it just going to be like, oh, it's, it's in a multiverse and that's how they give us and. Like Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness kind of implied that the the character we see in there in that movie is the literal character from the cartoon universe, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, are they gonna like connect that plot wise at all by the end of the show? But mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. I'm cautious about it a bit because like it's so many decades later, it's a different platform, a different company. Are they gonna be able to carry over the same mm-hmm. like heart and the same level of social commentary and all that kind of stuff that the original show had, you know? And People love to be like, oh, everyone's forcing politics into stuff now. Everything is so woke now. And it's like, this show is back on the 90s and you all loved it. And it was it was just as progressive, if not more progressive than most of the stuff we get today. You know, so I, I'm curious how this will go over in the pop culture lexicon. And I'm curious how seamless it'll be between like the old show and the new show. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. All kinds of maybes for this show. You know, it could be a huge hit. That's awesome. And everyone talks about it and like brings x-men back to the major forefront of the pop culture discussion or it just kind of comes out and fans of the show are happy because there's more episodes of the show and that's pretty much it you know yeah. i'm really really curious how this drop goes yeah we're also getting uh, marvel's what if season two uh i think i liked marvel's what if more than most people 
Um, I like how it tied together. I think a lot of people were hoping and wanting more of an anthology show, and when at the end it kind of proved to not be that, I think people were surprised, and it just didn't really uh, match their expectations. So I'm curious to see how a season two does. Um, and also, back to Star Wars, uh, Skeleton Crew, starring Jude Law, is dropping uh, this week. We don't really know much about that. It's been pitched as kind of like a um, Stranger Things in Star Wars. Uh, so I'm curious to see that. And then finally, a non-Marvel or Star Wars show, uh, American Born Chinese, uh, which I believe is based either on a comic book or a novel. And it reminds me very much, it's like, sounds a lot like Percy Jackson, but with Chinese mythology. So I'm curious to see uh, how that plays out. Any thoughts on yeah, American, looking forward Born to American Born Chinese? Yeah, looking forward to American Born Chinese. I actually, it's based off of a graphic novel I read, well, last year now. I, quick read, really easy read, and a good read, too. I liked it a lot. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm wondering, too, how much commentary this brings in, because the novel, it was about mythology and the kind of fun adventure, too, but it was very much a commentary about feeling like an outsider and feeling like being rejected because of your race and the way that you look and the way that you talk and those kind of things. And I, I, I think that would be a great... Uh, thing to be talking about and you know people realizing what it's like to grow up in a culture where everyone just kind of assumes you're supposed to you know look like a typical white dude and then when you don't look like that what is what does that do to a little kid who barely recognizes differences at all and they're already being told that they're different i i'm curious about that and i also really think the cast will bring some eyes to this you have the reunion from uh everything everywhere all at once here in the cast with not just uh the, the award winning uh, Michelle Yeoh as the lead here is the mom of the show, but you also have the also award-winning uh, Kei Hu Kwan, uh, who has had this kind of comeback year this it's, year. There's, Come, uh, there's no way he doesn't win the Oscar, right? Because he's won basically every single supporting actor award up, up to this point. Yeah, I mean he's sweeping every essentially every award he's up for. Michelle Yeoh is essentially splitting it with uh, with Tar. Oh, who is that now in Tar? Uh, Kate Blanchett. She, oh, okay. They're going like 50-50 essentially on the awards between her and Kate Blanchett. So we'll see if she wins. But either way, that's a huge, you know, huge name to be getting after this big win of everything everywhere all at once. You're getting not just one, but two of the breakout stars from from that uh, from that movie. So I, I think that'll give this show a lot more attention than it otherwise would have gotten. You know, I don't think it's going to be one of those like Dookie Hauser reboot that just kind of comes and goes and no one talks about it i think this will get some attention we walter man we justice for walter man we <laughs> were the walter? only people that talked about that show i think i think we're me and you are the I'm only like... two people outside of the creators of that show who know it exists <laughs> was there any other youtube channel covering that show week to week that's what i gotta know i'm probably not i'm gonna assume, assume. <laughs> all right is there anything i missed on your upcoming list for disney plus Looking forward to Doctor Who this year. Uh, we All talked right. about it uh, on our last our award show, but I'm really excited for this one. You're getting a couple of the different specials this year, so it's an anniversary for Doctor Who, and it's kind of like a revival of the show, a new showrunner who's back from the olden days. You have a Doctor who's back from the olden days, so it could be a very nostalgia-laden era of Doctor Who here, so I'm really curious to see how they merge, like paying tribute to the past, setting up the future, all the kind of things they're trying to do with this uh, this take on the show, especially now that they're going to have a bigger audience than maybe they've ever had before on Disney+. Plus. So I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. I'm using this as an excuse to binge watch a bunch of, bunch of, bunch of the old episodes. So by the time this comes out, I'll be all the way back into my fandom, and I can't wait for it. All right. Uh, so I'm going to be honest. I haven't watched much on Hulu or Peacock or Apple TV Plus or any of these other streaming services. 
Oh, I did. Uh, I'm going to skip. I know I have Hulu next on the pocket, but I'm going to talk about the thing I watched. Um, I don't know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you haven't watched anything from this franchise, but the Best Man franchise, whether it's Best Man, Best Man Holiday, or Best Man The Final Chapters, uh, my girlfriend's got me into uh, this franchise starring Tay Diggs and more. I know there was a franchise. Yeah, Tay Diggs. <laughs> I was like a franchise. Yeah, so there's The Best Man, which came out, I believe, in the late 90s, and Best Man Holiday, which came out in, like, 2013, and then a TV show on Peacock called uh, Best Man, uh, The Final Chapters. So you got Tay Diggs, Morris Chestnut, Nia Long, Terrence Howard, and uh, if you're a fan of that franchise, and I don't know if anyone who watches this podcast uh has seen either of the movies but the show i feel like is on par quality uh with the movies if you watch the movies but were afraid to watch the show because you didn't want him to ruin the movies i think it has an abrupt ending i think the ending could have been a little bit better but i feel like you know it's just as entertaining as the movies just a good storyline definitely check it out it's kind of like a follow-up 10 years later on these characters but yeah, that's... yeah, I probably will be checking that out. But yeah, that's kind I'm of glad a... you're liking it, Joe. Kind of a fun, just like a fun romantic comedy, bromantic comedy style movie. Um, is there anything you watched on Hulu? Anything you're excited for on Hulu? On Hulu, one thing I'm looking forward to is the History of the World Part Two. Uh, Mel Brooks is coming back. Uh, he's he's got a part two to the History of the World coming to Hulu. It looks like it's going to be kind of a drunk history style. A retelling of historical events not quite as you might remember them uh he's got a huge big name cast of people showing up so if you're a fan of mel brooks you're a fan of history of the world they're doing it again and they're bringing in a bunch of a-listers from tv and movies to play historical figures from all kinds of moments in history so have you watched uh, the i can't hist- wait to see how this plays out have you watched the history of the world part one i have it's a great film uh, i didn't even know this project existed film. like there's always been rumors and rumblings of it happening but I had no idea that it was actually happening, and now I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's a great comedy with all kind, like especially if you are a fan of history. You know, you're gonna have all kinds of characters you recognize and goofy takes on them. So, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. And people talk about how oh, Mel Brooks, you could never make that movie, this movie today. You know, and I'm curious if he can pull that edgy Mel Brooks social commentary humor and still pull it off in the, in the years of 2023, where everyone seems to be wanting to get mad about stuff. You know. I'm more concerned about a 93-year-old man giving us edgy humor, you know? <laughs> that, too. I cannot wait to see how this goes. It could be could be very cringe. It could be really uncomfortable. Or it could be, like, awesome and, like, really, really funny. You know, I I'm, I can't wait to see how it plays out. It's coming pretty soon. Like, the next couple of months, it's going to be out. Oh, wow. I'm excited for it. Uh, anything else on Hulu you're excited for? Not much else on Hulu. Hulu is something that kind of comes and goes. You know, they'll drop the FX stuff. They'll drop stuff here and there, movie-wise. They'll get some great movies by the end of the year, I'm sure. But as of now, that's the only one that pops up on my radar. All right. Anything on any of the other services? Paramount Plus, Peacock, Apple TV Plus. Apple TV. Uh, I'm currently watching Servant, the new season of Servant, and Light Shyamalan's great, great thriller. Uh, I think this is like the third or the fourth season at this point now. Uh, they just started a couple of weeks ago, so only a couple of weeks in, but... Uh, if you're trying to get yourself hyped for Knock of the Cabin, you know, you're in N. Night Shyamalan kind of mood, check out this thriller. It's about like a kind of an upper middle class family who loses their infant uh, infant child very young and the mother is not quite ready to deal with it. So she has a kind of like live-in doll that she takes care of as the young daughter uh, and is like kind of convinced that it's her real daughter. And they bring in a maid to take care of the house and help the mother and help the daughter. But 
that might have been a mistake because the maid they went to it might be even more unhinged unreliable than our the wife who's losing her mind you know so it kind of it twists all these crazy crazy connections of these characters and the entirety of the first season takes place all within like the apartment of this house you know so it's really really tight and it's it brings in some great directors you know the director of of uh titan did a couple episodes here and light Shyamalan's daughter's done a couple episodes here so i'm i'm really looking forward to how this season plays out because yeah the, the drama and the craziness and the supernatural of it all has only gotten bigger and bigger as it's gone along so if you want some crazy thrills and you're in an end light mood check out servant all right uh probably won't be but if that interests you <laughs> definitely check it out uh anything else oh yeah we got to figure out our mvp of the week uh this could be a struggle just because let's not do it i will call it the mvp of the week but we'll do it's the mvp since our last show because it's going to be hard to break up uh the last thing that we watched uh as far as when did that come out so our technically our mvp of the week but really our mvp since our last show uh does anything stick out to you i have my my pick of what i would like to choose uh but i'll let you go first unless you need me to pick i think i um i think i'd be better off just getting your pick here joe because the only thing i really watched that made a huge amount of impact i would say is a bad batch so if we're gonna dig out someone from bad batch we could maybe go for a character if we're gonna nominate a character i think omega had a great couple episodes so far so i would nominate omega as my mvp you know She's really matured herself. She's had her own role in the in the team now, so I'm going with her. I was going to go somewhere from the Bad Batch. I was going to go a little bit different of a direction. My pick was going to be D. Bradley Baker, the guy who, just every performance, I, I think it's wild that a character can show up like a voice, and I can hear the voice, and I could be like, that's Cody. How he can do like such a specific, nuanced performance as a clone that sounds like all that's supposed to sound like all the other clones, but there's just a, such a such a distinct sound that you can almost pick out what clone it is if you've listened to him enough. And I, every time I watch the Bad Bash, I forget, oh yeah, like they could kill somebody off because it's not like they have to fire somebody. It's the same guy voicing every character almost. And I think this week when it's a light week, sure, maybe if I had watched uh, The Last of Us, I could go Pedro Pascal or somebody behind oh, the scenes in the show. Totally forgot about The Last of Us. I might have to change my nomination for you, Joe. We got Craig Mazin, showrunner of The Last of Us, director of the pilot. What are we doing? Why are we not nominating Craig Mazin? You know, he, he ran he ran Chernobyl to the heights, new heights. You shouldn't even mention it, Joe. Now I got to fight you. Now I got to argue because, look. Here's my thing. I heard this pilot has some production problems. Craig Mazin comes in, brings it back to life. Not only back to life, but makes it awesome. I'm going to make a campaign for you here. I think, while I made my point about D. Bradley Baker and playing Commander Cody, I don't know, like, if there's an episode where it's, like, full on D. Bradley Baker and it's complete, like, wow, he crushed it out of the park, I will die on the hill for D. Bradley Baker to be our MVP. But I really just picked him because I'm like, I mean, he he would have had one. If we had done the Hand Plus podcast and we're giving out MVPs during the entire run, of season one of the bad batch he would have one if not multiple mvp of the weeks however you go on twitter especially last night and the hype and the build-up and everything was the last of us the last of us the last of us. if i go on twitter right now one of the top five tweets will be about the last of us well monday night football's on right now and i follow a lot of football people so probably the top five but before the game started one of the top five tweets would have been about the last of us and I think if 
as someone who watched it, if that's your pick, Craig Mason, the showrunner and director, I think it's only fair that we truly give the MVP to the real MVP, Craig <laughs> Mason, of The Last of Us. I can't wait to get your take on the show once you get a chance to watch it, Joe, because I know you'd be an outsider coming in, and that's what really uh, makes me excited, you know, because I'm not an outsider, so it's easy for me to watch this and be like, oh, how are they going to get this scene or that scene right? And I, I would love to get you as a person just watching it as a show, you know, because to me it was such a great accomplishment. Like, that opening sequence of The Last of Us is such an iconic sequence in gaming history, and to see him take that and adapt it, not just shot for shot, but to expand it and make it feel like an actual TV prologue. I was really impressed by it. And I, I would love to get your take, not just on the episode, but as we go along, like how do this, how the story plays out that I can't wait to get your thoughts on it. All right. And so I will, um, co-sign that and I will check it out. I will, wa- I will have watched season one by the end of our, show next week i probably or not season one but episode one by our show next week i probably want to watch episode two just because of the timing of when we film so i'll always be an episode behind uh but without further ado i think that wraps up our show so uh, goodbye hey thank you for watching the movie change up podcast we'd really appreciate if you liked commented subscribed and shared us with anyone you think might be into what we're doing over here. Thank you. Have a nice day.